So last night, Winnie gave us an inspiring talk about the third of the four Brahmaviharas, which is mudita, usually translated as sympathetic joy or appreciative joy, and originally as just gladness. And this evening we're going to be doing some mudita practice together, but before we do that, I'd like to offer just a little bit more context about this quality, some of the benefits, some of the challenges, and some different approaches to practicing it. And I'd like to start uh, with a reminder of how Caroline Burroughs and Paul Jones described it in that overview of all four Brahma-viharas that I shared with you a couple of weeks ago. In that, they say, mudita is the love that celebrates. It's an antidote to envy. It is not competitive. If it slides into agitated excitement, upeka or equanimity brings the heart back into balance. So mudita then is the love that celebrates. And traditionally it's been taught as a celebration of other people's happiness and good fortune. And although this might seem counterintuitive at first, as we experiment with this practice of appreciating other people's happiness, we do start to discover that it increases our own happiness as well. So a few weeks ago, I read a quote from Shantideva that makes this point beautifully. I think it's worth repeating. All the joy the world contains has come through wishing happiness for others. All the misery the world contains has come from wanting pleasure for oneself. And this capacity to celebrate other people's happiness brings us many benefits because when we are able to activate this quality of mudita, it diminishes our sense of separateness and our sense of lack. We start to feel more connected to others, kinder and more generous. And these are all skillful mental states that support the development of wisdom we can more easily understand the truth of interconnectedness and of anatta when we stop taking our problems quite so personally and we recognize that all beings want to be happy just as we do. And mudita can also be a powerful catalyst for the awakening factor of rapture or joy to arise, that awakening factor that I spoke of the other night. So in this way, it can very directly support the development of insight. And as Winnie acknowledged last night, for many people, mudita is the hardest of these four qualities to develop. So remembering that all of them are what's euphemistically known as purification practices, which means that they're designed to bring up our stuff to show us what gets in the way. I'd like to take a little bit of time just to touch into that. So the first challenge we might encounter when we're invited to turn towards these more pleasant mind states is the mind's inherent negativity bias that I've referred to a few times. The fact that biologically we're hardwired to pay more attention to what's unpleasant than to what's pleasant. 
And just for that reason, it could be good practice to train ourselves to start to be aware of a bigger range of experiences. So cultivating joy has a very powerful role to play in balancing our our tendency to focus more on the challenging and difficult side of the equation. So we have this basic biological conditioning and then on top of that, many of us have a whole pile of social conditioning too in terms of unworthiness. So as Greg invited us the other day to just pretend for that meditation session that we were completely fine just as we are. It's pointing to that sense that often we do have these deeply conditioned feelings of inadequacy, unworthiness, self-aversion and shame. So sometimes when we try to connect with mind states of joy and delight and appreciation, we find ourselves contacting instead the sense that we don't deserve to be happy. And because these tendencies are so deep-rooted, we might not see how they feed into our Dharma practice too. That unconscious tendency towards striving and unbalanced effort that I talked about in my first talk here. And I noticed early on in my own practice and with a lot of students too, this unseen assumption that the practice is supposed to be hard work. It's supposed to be uncomfortable and difficult and painful. And if it's not those things, if it's neutral or perhaps even enjoyable, then we must be doing something wrong. We're not working hard enough or we're not going deep enough or we're not seeing clearly enough. And there's often this underlying assumption often leads to a lot of resistance to even the suggestion that joy might be a necessary part of the practice. So just an invitation to notice your own responses if any of these kind of perceptions or views or beliefs about joy might be coming up for you. And it is true that the Buddha warned us over and over again not to get attached to sense pleasures. But in my own case, I was so afraid of getting attached to enjoyment that for a while I didn't allow myself to experience any kind of pleasure at all. I was actually afraid of it and I didn't see that. I wasn't able to recognize that this is a form of wrong view. The uh, uh, misunderstanding that pleasant experiences automatically lead to attachment. It was also part of my experience that feeling joy requires a certain openness, even vulnerability. It can take a surprisingly amount of a surprising amount of courage to let ourselves open to joy, knowing that it's impermanent and it is going to end at some point. So some of you might know the work of Brene Brown. She's a research professor who spent 16 years studying courage, vulnerability, empathy, shame, and joy. And during the course of her research, she found a very strong link between people's capacity to feel vulnerable and their ability to feel joy. And in an interview, she says, When we wake up every morning and armor up and say, I'm not going to let myself be hurt. I'm not going to let myself be seen. 
I'm not going to let myself be emotionally wrung out. I'm going to protect my own vulnerability. When we lose that capacity for vulnerability, joy becomes foreboding. Because in those moments when we do feel joy, the first thing we think is, "Uh uh-uh, you will not blindside me, vulnerability. I will beat you to the punch. I'm going to stand here and squander this incredible moment with my child or my partner or this incredible moment about my promotion and I'm going to imagine the worst case scenario. That way, if it happens, it will hurt less. So she says, that's why it's so ironic to me that people think that vulnerability is weakness when really letting ourselves fully soften into feeling is one of the most courageous things we can do. So fear of vulnerability can be one obstacle to mudita. And a second obstacle is the conditioning that most of us are subject to from our dominant mainstream culture, which values individualism and competitiveness. So it's not surprising that when we first try to open to other people's happiness or success, we might encounter the near enemy of mudita, which is resentment or envy or jealousy. The good news, though, is that as with all of these Brahma-Vihara qualities, we can train in them. And through practice, we can strengthen this capacity to experience joy more easily. So how do we actually do that as a practice? Well, it's very similar to metta and compassion in that we're encouraged to start where it comes most easily and to start small. So mudita doesn't have to be some kind of big ecstatic bliss state. It can be very light, fleeting, subtle. And just to say that for many people, even the word joy might seem like a stretch. So I'll mostly use the word mudita and you can put in whatever word feels more accessible for you. Perhaps just simple gladness or appreciation or lightness, if not delight. And the way mudita was practiced at the time of the Buddha, it seems to have been more in the style of radiating energy that Brian offered the other week in relation to metta. So instead of reciting phrases, the practice was just to uh, bring this quality of mudita into the heart and mind and then imaginatively radiate it outwards in all directions to cover the entire world. So this is how the practice is described in the traditional chant on the Brahma Viharas. And here mudita is translated as gladness. I will abide pervading the all-encompassing world with a mind imbued with gladness, abundant, exalted, immeasurable, without hostility and without ill will. Now for some of us, that starting point of simply abiding with a mind imbued with gladness might be a pretty tough um, starting point. So perhaps that's why later on in the tradition, about a thousand years after the time of the Buddha, this uh, reciting phrases method was developed in the Vasudhimaga. 
And this is where we silently repeat phrases that connect with the quality of mudita and offer them to different categories of people. So some traditional phrases and are things like, may your happiness and joy continue. May your happiness not leave you. May your happiness continue to grow. May your good fortune shine. Or simply, I'm happy that you're happy. So in the sequence of people, traditionally we begin with someone we're close to, that we naturally feel a sense of ease and warmth for, who's currently enjoying some good fortune. And then we move on to the benefactor, a neutral person, a so-called difficult person, and then all beings. And again, the idea is to start where the mudita flows most naturally. So when I was talking about metta, I gave the image of the waterfall, a series of basins, and we let the water fill the first basin, and then quite naturally when it's full, it overflows and starts to fill the next basin, and so on. So in my own mudita practice, to get it started, I found it helpful to begin by orienting towards gratitude. Because when I'm in touch with what I can appreciate about my own experience, I'm less likely to feel the sense of lack that so often gets in the way of genuine mudita. So as a support for mudita, we can get into the habit of noticing in the present moment any aspects of our experience that register as pleasant. We notice that pleasantness without grasping after it or pushing it away. Simply noticing, oh, pleasant, and allowing any natural response of appreciation just to be there. And we can do this as a practice even here on retreat. In fact, uh, A month or two ago, Greg and I were teaching in New Zealand and Australia, and I invited the meditators to take a walking period outside and to spend it noticing as many pleasant experiences at the six sense doors as they could. And then when they came back, I invited them to write down what they'd noticed so that I could share some of those experiences in my evening talk on Mudita. This is what my friend and fellow teacher Bonnie Duran calls crowdsourcing the Dharma talk. (laughs) So, and I still have many of the things that they shared and I thought to just read a few of them tonight and you might notice if there's any flicker of recognition or resonance when you hear some of these things that other yogis appreciated while they were on retreat. My body walking without pain. The feeling and sound of the pine needles and moss underfoot. Cool shadows strewn by wayward tree branches. The warm, gentle sun on my face and a gentle breeze on my skin. The sound of the breeze in the trees, like the sound of the ocean. Hearing the birds singing. Feeling hot water on my skin when taking a shower. 
clean, dry laundry. The taste of the delicious food at lunch. Time away from my family. (laughs) (laughs) To receive very good guidance and support for my practice. To be alive, healthy, with upright mind, surrounded by Dharma friends, enjoying ease and freedom. So these are simple, accessible things that we can experience on retreat, and perhaps some of them brought up a flicker of mudita. But if not, don't worry. Don't try to force or manufacture anything. I'm going to invite us into a guided mudita meditation now, and I hope that you'll appreciate it, um, approach it with a spirit of openness. So just settling back, giving it a try, and seeing what happens. And if you find that in some way it's not working for you, then feel free to just return to the breath, to simply appreciating that you're breathing in and breathing out, and let that be your mudita practice. Okay. So taking a few moments just to settle into a comfortable sitting position. One where you can be relaxed and alert, upright and at ease. Coming home to the body and getting that felt sense of the body sitting Simply sitting, knowing that you're sitting. And then bringing the awareness to the experience of breathing. Knowing that you're breathing in and knowing that you're breathing out. And with each in-breath, there is the experience of receiving. Of receiving air into the body receiving oxygen, receiving life. And with each out-breath, there's the experience of releasing, of letting go, releasing what's no longer needed. So inviting the awareness to rest on this experience of receiving and releasing for a few moments.
and perhaps as the body becomes a little more settled and the mind may become just a little more calm. You might begin to tune into your own experience now at any of the six sense doors and to notice any experiences that might register as somewhat pleasant. Very simple experiences, perhaps just the support of the cushion beneath your sitting bones. Or the warmth of the hands touching. Or the soft texture of clothing against your skin. Or the natural softening of the shoulders as you breathe out. Perhaps the pleasantness of having a slight smile on your face. Taking a moment just to see if there are any aspects of your experience that register as somewhat pleasant right now. And if you can't find pleasant, Neutral is fine. Just connecting with any sense of well-being that's available to you now. Any slight sense of ease or calm or appreciation. And then beginning to bring to mind someone you're close to, someone you care about, and have a warm, easy relationship with, who's currently experiencing some kind of happiness, success, or good fortune. I'll call this person the easy being. So bringing to mind this easy being whose good fortune you'd like to celebrate and imagining them here in the room with you tonight. Perhaps sitting in front of you or to one side. Imagining them 
in as much detail as you can. Seeing their image, speaking their name, getting a felt sense of their energy. In whatever ways you can, bringing their presence to life. And then connecting with what's going well in their lives. Hearing them share some good news. Seeing them celebrate a success. Feeling their delight as they open to their good fortune. Noticing any responses in your own body and heart and mind of appreciative joy, mudita. If it helps, you might bring a a hand to the heart center and feel in to this aliveness and warmth. as you share in your friends good fortune and success. I'm happy for your happiness. I take joy in your good fortune May your joy continue. May it grow. May it lead to ever increasing ease and freedom. I'm happy for your happiness. I take joy in your good fortune. May your joy continue. May it grow. May it lead to ever increasing ease and freedom. Connecting with the meaning of the phrases as best you can and feeling any responses of warmth as you cultivate this quality of mudita. Imagining your good friend opening to and receiving 
this appreciative joy. And if at times you notice that you've got distracted or the mudita feels to have cooled, you can simply begin again. Connecting with any of your own well-being that's available right now. Feeling into your heart center. Bringing to mind this easy being's good fortune. And silently offering them the mudita phrases. I'm happy for your happiness. I take joy in your good fortune. May your joy continue. May it grow. May it lead to ever-increasing ease and freedom. Continuing in this way in silence for a few moments.
Tuning into this field of mudita energy that we're all creating together. This quality of appreciative joy. And inviting it to expand now to include all of us in the room here tonight. Appreciating our own good fortune that we have this opportunity to be on retreat. That we have good enough health. Enough resources the support of friends and family and co-workers. All of this good fortune that allows us to be on retreat together. Bringing to mind the faces and the presence of your co-meditators. Appreciating the moral support that we offer each other with our presence. And connecting with this quality of mudita being offered and being received. I'm happy for our happiness. I take joy in our good fortune. May our joy continue. May it grow. May it lead to ever-increasing ease and freedom. Thank you for your practice. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.